0: Coming up on Stu Does America, worried about our current president and his dealings with foreign policy. You're not alone. We'll talk to Jason Kilmeyer about how we should be responding to Russia. Masks are no longer required at tomorrow's State of the Union. Can we make it so the president isn't required there either? Don't miss any of the State of the Union coverage we have coming up tomorrow. Get 10 bucks off a subscription when you use the promo code Stu at blazetv.com slash Stu. And we know Vladimir Putin is insane. But what flavor of insanity is he? Let's find out, as we do, Putin's endgame. Stu does America. Well, when a big country like Russia attacks his neighbor, we know there's going to be a lot of tragedy associated with that. And we had our real first burst of tragedy today as Vladimir Putin was stripped of his honorary title as president of the International Judo Foundation. That's right. It happened. I mean, I thought it would take weeks for this to happen. But no, the International Judo Foundation has stepped up and stripped him of that presidency. And you see him in this wonderful picture right here. I mean, it's adorable. Here he is uh, about to uh, snap the necks of two little children. What a wonderful, wonderful, what a wonderful, wonderful president he was, I'm sure, of the International Judo Foundation. And uh, I just I can't believe this is happening. I right. mean, of all the things that could happen, I always thought he'd be president of the IJF. But no, that's changing. A lot of weird things going on right now. Uh, in fact, I want to give you this. This is uh, from the Libs of TikTok account. What is the worst take associated with the Russia-Ukraine war so far. I'm gonna give you their options from A to F. You can uh, uh, vote below in the comments if you're watching on youtube.com slash where you can watch every episode of this program and comment live as we do it. Uh, so give me an A through F on the bottom. Here are your choices. Uh, option A, reminder not to assign gender to anyone from Ukraine when tweeting about World War III. Remember to use the correct term, folks, F-O-L-X, when referring to all Ukrainian folks. It's not hard to be inclusive of all genders. In Ukraine, that's option number, or letter A. Uh, letter B, a lot of people in Ukraine crowding together inside, but only 35 percent of Ukrainians have been vaccinated. Less than 2 percent have been boosted. Oh, no, that's very scary when you've got a war going on. Option C, this isn't discussed much, but Putin very much benefits from white privilege. I just can't see a scenario in which a black or brown man running Russia will be allowed to invade Ukraine with no devastating consequences. See Crimea in 2014. White supremacy will destroy us. Okay. Option D. In, what, in one way, Putin did us a favor. Historically, every president running for re-election during a war has won. Wait for that one to turn around this year. And then he got some uh, pushback here, or she did, I guess. Uh, I don't want to actually... Uh, this folks got some pushback uh i'm serious anything that keeps trump out of the white house i embrace whiny bitches clutching their pearls and trying to police my tone will be blocked i love how you complain about other people being whiny as you're threatening to block them uh, if trump gets back back in office we'll have casualties from the war and the genocide of lgbtqia people what about two what about plus i'm not kidding she, uh, she they folks say That's option D. Option E. Ukrainian lives don't matter until black lives matter. Oh, you knew that one was coming. Uh, That's your option E. And option F. Draft the unvaccinated, which is weird. They keep kicking the unvaccinated out of the military and now they want to draft them. I don't think I understand. Put your comment A through F uh, below and we'll tabulate your results. Um, Probably. Okay, so let me give you some updates on what's actually going on here over the past couple of days uh, with the war. Uh, Americans are... They have their minds pretty much made up on this one. They want to make sure they're doing what they can to push back against Russia, but they don't want to get into a war with Russia largely. 83% of Americans say they favored increased economic sanctions against Russia in response to the invasion. Just 17% opposed. 62% say they want the U.S. to do more to stop Russian military action in Ukraine. 38% say we've already done enough. But the public is opposed to direct military action. Only 42% were in favor of such a move. Um, uh, should the sanctions fail to work, 58% opposed. 42% of people in this country are wanting to go to war with Russia? I mean, I think we try to avoid that one at all costs. I don't think, uh, even if the sanctions uh, don't work, I think we, we hold our line with NATO, but I don't think we want to start a war with Russia unless uh, it's absolute last resort. Uh, U.S. has expelled 12 Russian diplomats for uh, espionage activities. Real shocker that the Russians would be involved in that sort of stuff. Biden administration is expanding sanctions. Uh, They uh, are going to put the sanctions on the Russian central bank. uh, And the new measures will also target the National Wealth Fund of the Russian Federation and the Ministry of Finance of the Russian Federation. Uh, And a senior US defense official has said that Russia has deployed nearly 75% of its assembled combat power inside Ukraine, has launched 380 missiles so far, Five days into the war, Russia still has not achieved air superiority over Ukraine, which is a real surprise. The official said Russian's goal continues to be to encircle Kyiv from multiple locations. Um, And as peace talks uh, were just beginning between the Russians and the uh, Ukrainians on the border of Belarus, uh, Ukraine's interior ministry said dozens of civilians had been killed and hundreds wounded by indiscriminate shelling of Kharkiv. It's a a city of 1.4 million on the border with Russia, the second largest city in Ukraine. I mean, it's getting so bad now for Russia that even freaking Switzerland is no longer neutral. That's right. These are the people that stayed neutral when the Nazis were around, but they are now apparently not neutral. They're participating in the sanctions as well. And when you look back at history, maybe they weren't all that neutral, but they still said they were neutral back then. New restrictions coming on. I mean, even the banking, the, the Swiss banking is going down. First the judo thing, now Swiss banking. What else will happen here? It's crazy. Um, It's kind of interesting because I feel like at this point we really don't know the outcome of this. Uh, We don't know what's going to go on. We still don't know really what Vladimir Putin wants. We don't know, we've seen a a more fierce pushback than maybe uh, a lot of people expected. from Ukraine. But, you know, where is this going to go? There's a podcast um, uh, uh, called Plain English that went through the five possibilities here. I'm going to go through some of those. I have a few additional ones. Where is this going to where is this going to go? Let me give you the five scenarios. You tell me what you think. Um, First of all, we'll start from the best outcome from maybe uh, the Ukrainian perspective. Uh, The Putin backfire. Now, the Putin backfire is interesting because, you know, People kind of just jumped on the bandwagon immediately that Russia was going to be able to do whatever it wanted in Ukraine. And, you know, who had something to say about that. Ukraine. They're like, yeah, we are a country and we're not going to just let you come in here and, you know, uh, take over. That's not going to happen. We're going to do everything we can to stop that. And, you know, this is going back to this is January 19th. This is Joe Biden doing his press conference uh, where he was talking about a potential Russia-Ukraine conflict. And these words really bothered me at the time. And they bother me even more now, watch
1: this. The cost of going into Ukraine in terms of physical loss of life for the Russians, they will be able to prevail over time, oh. but it's going to be heavy. It's going to be real. It's going to be consequential. Militarily, they have overwhelming superiority in, on, on, as, as it relates to Ukraine, but they'll pay a stiff price immediately near-term, medium-term, and long-term if they do it.
0: Now, we know enough about these militaries that yes, Russia does have a larger force, it has more technology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But before a war starts telling everybody, including all the leaders involved that Russia's just gonna roll all over Ukraine, Yeah, Russia, you know, Ukraine might get some casualties. It's going to there's going to they're going to put a cost onto Russia. But overall, we know that eventually if they want it, they're going to take it. I don't think that's a great message for a U.S. president to be saying. Now, in a military meeting behind closed doors, that may very well be the reality. But I don't think you say that to the press. I don't think you say that during a press conference. I think there's a chance, though, uh, that maybe Ukraine rises up here. Remember, Russia only had 190,000 troops on the border that they've been willing to commit so far as we pointed out, only about 75% of them are in at this point. You know, Ukraine has more troops than that. So you don't normally invade a place with fewer troops than you know the standing army has. Of course, there's also tons and tons of civilians picking up arms to fight back as well. So, um, uh, you know, is it obvious that they're just going to win? I don't think it's obvious. I think if a fully committed Russia tries to go in there, it's certainly likely that they would win. But maybe let's go with option uh, 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 scenario number one here, which is, hey, maybe Ukraine does a good job here. They push them back and Vladimir Putin's got to go back home with his tail between his legs. It is possible here. Uh, Number two, Russia tries to implement a puppet regime. This would be uh, implementing a friendly ruler to Vladimir Putin of course uh, similar to the situation that's going that's on in Belarus right now where Belarus is basically a satellite country of Russia they'll do whatever Vladimir Putin says though Belarus still exists it's still hanging out there it's still got its own name on the billboard uh, but really are they different than Russia I mean militarily it doesn't seem to be much separation at all now Belarus was not conquered they uh, the, the uh, dictator there was about to get overthrown and Vladimir came in and uh, helped him out and now basically gets to run the, the joint because of it. Uh, so that's uh, scenario. Number two, a puppet regime installed by Vladimir Putin. Uh, number three, state death. Dun, dun, dun. That's just a cool term. State death. I hope it doesn't happen, though. The concept there would be basically Russia comes in, takes over Ukraine and wipes Ukraine literally off the map. No more Ukraine as a country. Uh, You'd have a situation where Russia just gets bigger, uh, or they could theoretically rename it something else, some other satellite name. But generally speaking, Ukraine gone, now part of Russia. Uh, Not even a different, not like Belarus. There's no different name on the nameplate. Number four, uh, scenario number four is getting the band back together. Vladimir Putin has said he wants to do this. And this is like real expansion. Uh, It's like you finish off Ukraine, you take Ukraine, becomes part of Russia again, and then you know what? I don't know, maybe you keep going. Now Moldova is over there as well. Let me show you the map, this is the uh, NATO map. Of, of of Europe right now. A couple things I want you to notice here. You see all the yellow countries are NATO. You got uh, of course Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria. That per, that kind of gives you a border, a NATO border in Europe. Uh, then uh, you have Ukraine, which in this scenario is taken over by Russia. Belarus, which is already allied with Russia, leaving you basically on that side with only Moldova, which. I don't know if your country has the word mold in it. Does anyone really want to take it over? I, that's just a question. That's not that's not geopolitics. That's just my own personal opinion. Seems questionable. But what you would also see here is potentially some expansion to the south uh, from Russia with Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan. You can't, you can't get rid of Turkmenistan, you know they're my favorite country. Um, you know, Kyrgyzstan, you got know, Tajikistan, you got all the, bo- the stands down there. Uh, and if you kind of see, this is what the old uh, Soviet map looked like. And that's kind of what we're talking about here, where the Soviet Union kind of makes a comeback, gets the band back together, and a bunch of, uh, of states that currently exist just become swallowed up into Vladimir Putin's new vision of what Russia might be. And then, of course, the fifth one is that the expansion continues to the West, and this is where we get into some real problems. Because over there, if you remember I showed you the whole uh, NATO uh, map, there are countries over there that are in NATO, and if any of those countries get hit, the Lithuania, the Estonia, the Poland's of the world, if those countries get attacked by Russia, Article 5 of NATO says, They've attacked us, too. They've attacked all of us. And we all uh, ally together to go up against Russia. Then we're in World War III. That's that's scenario five, World War III. And here's the thing. That's not a non it's 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 not a zero percent chance that this this actually occurs. Uh, You can see a world, especially if if uh, over the next few weeks, the tides turn a little bit. Russia takes Ukraine is on a high note, running on a high note. And decides to just keep going and get the entire band back together, including those uh, those NATO states that used to be part of the Soviet Union or the sphere of influence of the Soviet Union. That is really scary because uh, we saw today Putin has declared a nuclear alert. Uh, Biden has not matched that alert. He's getting all sorts of credit for that. I don't really know why, Uh, but the nuclear alert from Vladimir Putin, who seems to be completely insane at this point. We had several big public officials come out and say, ah, there's something wrong with him. I think he's changed. He may be nuts. There's all sorts of rumors about why that is, but the point is, if he is nuts, if he is seeing the end of his life or the end of his regime and is trying to hold power and does something crazy, you know, this is life-changing for all of us. I mean, if something like that happens where we're in a war with Russia, uh, an active war, this is the biggest story of the century, and it will affect all of our lives. And we've gone from really thinking that's a real outlier situation to I still think it's a small percentage chance overall, but it's not zero. I mean, it, you know, it's not 50, but it's not zero. I mean, it's it's above, uh, you know, a couple of percent chance here. Maybe it's a 5 percent chance, but that's way too much when you're talking about a potential end of civilization type war. uh, That is really, really scary and it's out there. And that's why I think it's kind of a big deal to keep talking about this. It's important uh, to make sure we discuss. Those are the five that they discussed on the podcast. Let me give you a couple of uh, additional ones. little, some bonus situations here uh, that could be a potential outcome. Uh, This is one I've talked about a little bit, but the Putin head fake. Now, the way Putin has fought this war so far is a little strange. He has not committed all of his resources. He hasn't done things that he sort of promised he would do, taking out, you know, electricity and cyber um, uh, cyber attacks and, uh, um, uh, you know, a real all-out attack on the Capitol. It's possible he's just waiting and he's slow playing it. But the fact that he hasn't even... He didn't put enough troops on the border to even overwhelm the Ukrainian troops, and he's only using 75% of those troops so far. He's acting strangely. He hasn't done some of the basic things you'd expect from a guy really trying to take over an entire country. So is this a head fake? Is this one of those things where Putin signals a full invasion of uh, Ukraine, I'm gonna take over the capital, puts enough pressure to where Ukraine is happy to give him the region's on the, uh, on the east co- uh, side of Ukraine that Putin wanted initially. Uh, you get those breakaway regions, you get the, the port city, you get all the stuff that he kinda wanted, And then looking like, oh, well, you know, look, we're not trying to take over and sort of backs off from the full nation takeover signals the big attack. So everyone's happy with the smaller one. Uh, The Putin head fake is still a possibility. Um, I mean, if you listen to this, this is kind of what Joe Biden initially sort of uh, signaled approval of uh, back in the day at the very
1: beginning. Remember this clip? Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. Mm. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine and that our allies and partners are ready to impose severe cost and significant harm on Russia and the Russian economy.
0: I mean, I basically told them to do this. (laughs) So uh, that could possibly be it. And I want to remind you of the Zelensky uh, response to this at the time. We want to remind the great powers that there are no minor incursions and small nations, just as there are no minor casualties and little grief from the loss of loved ones. I say this as the president of a great power. I mean, Zelensky's, uh, obviously, star is shining at the moment. We'll see how, uh, how the rest of this plays out. Another one I want to give you, this is, I think, a small percentage chance, but it is kind of an interesting outlier, and this is the pre-1945 map. Now, I, you know, look, I'm not going to bore you with uh, Ukraine history from, from the beginning of time, but let me give you this one map. This shows you, if you look at the green outline here, you see modern day Ukraine. This is a, a map from 1650 to 1812, but these borders roughly were there till about 1945. And what you see here is, you see where Kiev, uh, was Kiev, I guess under the Soviet Union, but Kyiv as we call it today, uh, and that's the capital. That's part of Russian influence. That would become part of Russia, but they started they stop that border before Lviv. Now this is the, this, the city way out in the west, where a lot of the journalists are staying right now, uh, pretty much out of harm's way. They've had a couple of battles with, uh, you know, air sirens and stuff. But basically, the border would would end and leave a little slice of Ukraine that remains Ukraine. The, the Kiev, uh, Kiev or Kiev, uh, as the Russians like to call it. Um, is part of their spiritual center, they believe, and they believe that's theirs. But going further, farther than that, there's an argument that historically that wasn't theirs. Maybe they stop there and leave a little slice for Ukraine, so they take most of it and leave a little dash. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's possible. And then the last one, I think, is, well, it's the second to last one, I guess, the end of Putin. You know, we talked about this, this blowing back on him, and maybe this doesn't work out as well as you'd think. But think about this scenario for a second. He goes into Ukraine, has a real tough time there, destroys the economy, uh, is not winning. He's in a quagmire. And there are a lot of people back in Russia who with a lot of money and a lot of power and a lot of influence, you know, there's Gucci stores lining the streets of Moscow. This is not a third world country we're talking about. There's a lot of really wealthy people with a lot of power there that are not gonna be happy if this economy gets destroyed for a war that many of them are questioning openly So what happens when he goes back? Maybe the people turn on him. Maybe the people say, wait a minute, this guy's supposed to be the strong guy with the horse. You know, he's riding the horse shirtless all the time. What happened to that guy? We just got our asses kicked by Ukraine. You know, some of these uh, oligarchs might say, wait a minute, uh, I can't go on. I can't go on my vacations with Joy Behar anymore to Italy. What's going on? And they may come up with a plan to either overthrow him or uh, take him out in some way or another. Uh, That's a possibility. This could backfire and be the end of Putin. And this might be the best case scenario uh, for us here in the U.S. Um, And the last one is Western influence grows. It's possible that this is such a terrible outlier attack, such an embarrassing attack for uh, Russia Uh, Such a uh, maybe seen so negatively, even Switzerland is turning uh, against them here, maybe seen so negatively that the end game here is that the Western world actually is able to expand its its uh, influence here. This is, I think, a huge mistake by Putin, Uh, and he risks not only his own future, but also the future of this crazy, crazy movement and country he's been overseeing here for the past couple of decades. So there's all of our scenarios. What was that, nine? I mean, it's got to be one of the nine, right? We know it will not be one of the nine. It's going to be the 10th one. Whatever the 10th one is, that's what it's going to be. But that's nine of them. Uh, Again, hey, we're doing a bunch of voting today. This is a democracy. Uh, Comment below if you're watching on YouTube. Which one do you think is real? Or if there's a 10th one there that you're thinking it might be, make sure to outline it in the comments below. Um, You know, look, there's a lot of people out there that understandably don't feel like this should be our top priority. You know, yes, we feel compassion for anyone who's attacked for no reason, but we also feel like this is like far away. It's way over there on those maps, and it's a war that we don't want to get wrapped up in. And when we know that when we do get wrapped up in these things, they sometimes go sideways in a hurry. So why risk it? We have enough problems of our own. I get that. I really do. But I assure you that while I have compassion for the Ukrainian people, I am also concerned about this for completely selfish reasons. <laughs> Because Vladimir Putin is a douche. We might have massive economic consequences, troubling supply chain disruptions on top of the existing ones we have already. And there's a non-zero chance of World War III. I didn't like the original, I didn't like the sequel, I don't want a third one. So, in an effort to stop a possible nuclear catastrophe, I want to speak directly to Vladimir Putin. President Putin, it is time you stop this war and withdraw your troops, and if you do, we can assure you that you will reclaim your rightful place as the exalted honorary leader of the international judo federation. This offer is on the table. Now you can change the course of history with your actions. You can save thousands of lives and regain your honorary presidency of the international judo foundation. This is a real offer. You know, Assuming I can get it approved by the International Judo Foundation. So you're thinking of buying property as an investment or maybe just because you need a change. Then listen to this. Panama is a country where you can get 10 times richer right this second. Yes, 10x right now. Panama is a high-income nation, not the kind of dusty third world thing that you might think of from the past. It also uses the U.S. dollar as its currency, which is very nice. And every dollar in your bank account in Panama is worth up to 10 times more than it is in the United States. Uh, How much is in your savings? Multiply it by 10. Does that look like a good number? Right now, as a fan of this particular program, you can learn more about this opportunity by getting the Complete Invest and Retire in Panama series, including the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama, along with four videos, all for free. You can check it out now at buypanamanow.com slash stew, buypanamanow.com slash stew. It's 100% free for you. Just head over to buypanamanow.com slash stew and get your copy today. It's buypanamanow.com slash stew. I'm happy to welcome Jason Kilmeyer back to the program. He's a counterterrorism expert and a foreign policy expert as well. Jason, thanks for coming back on the program.
2: Stu, thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, you got a big announcement I want to get to here in a second, but let's start talking about Russia and Ukraine. What is the state of affairs right now? What should we be be looking for?
2: First thing is, right, there was a lot of hoopla around the talks. Hey, let's see, there might be a a pause temporarily. Um, And and those obviously came to naught. And what we see right now is a convoy right not far from Kiev and likely a a potentially very grim next 24 hours for the Ukrainian capital. Mm.
0: I mean, I think if I wasn't following this super closely, what I would think from the media coverage is so far things have been better for Ukraine than previously expected. A, A fierce response to this invasion, people picking up arms, doing everything they can to protect their homeland. Is that true, or is Putin really just not turned up the heat yet?
2: You know, I do think some of that bears out, um, but to your point, there is still probably at least a third, as of this morning, of the Russian ground troops not even yet deployed into the country, and that may uh, that may have changed uh, over the course of the day. And what I think we're seeing too is almost a little bit of this emotional roller coaster as people were surprised by the mobilization of Western Europe, unity around sanctions and some of those pieces. So I think that has created an outlook that I'm afraid we're going to feel very different about in 48 or 72 hours as the reality, right, that sanctions don't stop tanks kind of sets in for all of us here.
0: Mm, yeah, that, <laughs> sanctions don't stop tanks. That is the unfortunate reality. Um, as far as the sanctions go, are we doing enough? Are we doing too much? Should we continue down this road? How do you how do you how do you look at that?
2: From my perspective, I think the risk calculus is in not going far enough. And I entirely understand, by the way, that um, the Western leaders are dealing with in an already sensitive economic situation how much pain are we willing to inflict on our own populations? Because the reality is biting sanctions in a global economy are gonna hurt everybody, Mm. right? Uh, Punish Russia the most, but there will be those after effects. And so I think if we're going to implement those things, I don't see what we're waiting for. Russian forces have encircled the capital. They're gonna try to decapitate the head of state. Bring it all out now. I don't think that we'll look back and say, hey, you know." we needed to wait that extra week or two to ratchet things up. I think that that's an incorrect risk calculus.
0: How how much of this, Jason, do you think is, you know, maybe we want to go forward with more sanctions and and go further and farther, but some, you know, some other NATO members are hesitant to do that and we're trying to walk this impossible line.
2: Yeah, I think that, Stu, an important thing to think about there is not only – what else will Europe agree to, but how for how long, right? So we see all these announcements. Uh, this soccer match is canceled here, or this other event is canceled here. But ne- neither of us would be surprised if in a couple of months we start to see those events quietly get put back on the schedule mm. and and the aerospace rights quietly sort of be restored. And so I think it remains to be seen how firm Western Europe's commitment will be after the immediate shock of this invasion has taken place. And, and, and I wanna make a point here, which is Vladimir Putin went to Georgia. He went into Ukraine already. He's got a strategic foothold in uh, Syria at a port where they've had a lease for 40 plus years, but, but more presence there in the past decade. Um, now back into Ukraine, intervention in Kazakhstan, that was two or three months ago. This is somebody who is deliberately working their way uh, west deliberately expanding their footprint. And that's how we need to think about it. Vlad marches west. Mm. So what is
0: his endgame? That's kind of the theme of the show today. Where does this all lead? What is he trying to do here? Where is he going to stop? Is he going to stop? Does he stop before the NATO line? Does he go past that? Where do you see this going?
2: Yeah, good question. I am a believer in taking these leaders at their word. So when he says that the greatest geopolitical mistake or, or tragedy of the past hundred years of the last century was the fall of the Soviet Union, that tells me he wants to reestablish that degree of control. And it looks like up until a week or so ago, that was in installing smaller scale client regimes, right? And, and declaring, quote unquote, autonomy, and then sending even heavier quotes, peacekeepers to these places. Um, I think that's gonna be the continued model. Um, It is taking chunks of sovereignty from these countries, and there are several other examples of countries that may be vulnerable to this, right, where they have Russian-speaking populations. And I think Putin will continue to move west. He might slow, but if we look at it in a historical pace, uh, it's not that slow.
0: Is this sort of like a hole in the model of NATO where he can just say, in theory, hey, you know, Lithuania really wants us. There's a lot of Russian speakers there. We're, we're going to recognize the independence of that region. And it's not an attack, in theory, on paper from Russia, but it, it serves as one.
2: Yeah, it it is a hole. And in, in the reason is because the rhetoric that Putin uses to justify the movements, we don't believe. Our Western European partners don't believe. And it's not even clear that Putin believes it. What what lies underneath that is the reality that hard power is how these things have been decided. And again, in Georgia and Ukraine, now back to Ukraine, um, their control over the Black Sea. um, What we're really seeing is a NATO unwilling to use certain uh, tools in the toolkit and a Putin who is willing. And that's why he gets the last word.
0: Well, I always like talking to you, Jason, because you know this stuff frontward and backward all over the world. You've been talking about this uh, on this show for a while. uh, And you're looking to take this experience in a totally new direction. Can you talk about your big announcement this week?
2: Yeah. And Stu, thank you for having me on. Uh, I I enjoy these conversations every time. I uh, today put out a press release. I'm running for um, Congress and I want to represent Western Pennsylvania in Washington And I wanna make a very serious point here because we're watching this happen around the world and we're seeing energy prices begin to spike. That is so frustrating for somebody who lives in Western Pennsylvania. We have the Marcellus Shale, abundant natural gas Mm. that we could be supplying to America. Where I am in Western Pennsylvania, we should be amongst the world leaders in energy production and we're seeing US policy Um, at the Biden administration and at the state level prevent that reality from occurring. Just last week, Putin, uh, I'm sorry, Biden again had to ask OPEC to increase production. We could be making it here. We should be making it here. So I decided. It was uh, it was time for me to stop just kind of yelling at the news and and put my hat in the ring. So uh, we're going to make a good go of it here. And I'm really looking forward to the race.
0: Yeah, I believe the way you phrased it in your in, a tw- in your tweet was it's time to stop yelling at the news. And uh, that's my job. I, I want to make sure you're not getting rid of all jobs where people yell at the news, because that's what I do for a living. We can't lose that yeah, job.
2: Absolutely. And, and quite <laughs> frankly, right. I'm learning. We talked about this a little bit off air last time. I'm learning. Right. Some of the ins and outs of broadcasting and just the trying to present this information like you are um, as it rolls in in such a, um, you know, ad hoc and sort of constant fashion is is something that's important. I'm going to continue to to practice that as I address uh, the voters here in Western Pennsylvania. And they are certainly not shy about letting me know right, uh, uh, the things that they find are important. So I'm learning uh, uh, as I go here.
0: Well, you, you brought up a really good point, which is I, I'm, it's, it's sort of a weird response. We're, we're sitting here saying, we're gonna have a lot of pain at the pump. We're gonna have a lot of pain with, with, with uh, natural gas and oil and all these things uh, that the, the, the global market could be disturbed. And our response is not well. Let's buck up and do it ourselves. It's to like beg other people for help and and make a bunch of solar panels or something. I mean, it doesn't seem like a serious response, Jason.
2: It's not. In February 20th, there was a court ruling. Uh, the I think it was the Supreme Court said the social cost of carbon um, that the Biden administration would like to assess, and and, I, and quite frankly, I think that's a specious specious concept overall, hmm. but they rejected their formulary. Uh, the Biden administration then canceled. All new um, oil and gas leases on federal lands um, or, or I'm sorry, pause them. Uh, and then two days later, Biden had to appeal to OPEC to increase uh, the pump. Unreal. And so I'm a believer, Stu, right? I don't want to trash the planet. We've got to be good stewards here. But the policies of the Democrats at this point are explicitly against the working class. And I'm I'm seeing that and I'm hearing it. Tomorrow I will be doing a video um, in front of a Dollar Tree to, to make the point to people that these dollar stores that Americans rely on were able to keep their prices, their goods, their foodstuffs at a dollar for thirty-five years, they could not survive the nine months of the Biden economy.
0: Mm, it's amazing. Um, we got about one minute left here, Jason. D- tell me about the district. Who are you running against? It's it's in Democratic control right now, right?
2: Yeah. So right now, Representative Lamb uh, uh, has held it for for three cycles, and he is um, going for the Senate. So it's going to be an open primary, no incumbent. Uh, a lot of good people have entered their names. I think that I'm really competitive because I have the national security. Creds, and because I've put some skin in the game. Um, and the other point I want to make, right, as it relates to to this, is we're going to have to take some hard votes. If you think about what Senator Cruz did in opposing, alone on an island, opposing the Nord Stream Two pipeline by putting those holds on nominations, he was vindicated. But that was a lonely place to be. Now, a House member does not place holds; that's the role of the Senate. But that's an example of. The extremely tough votes that the next few years are going to require of our legislators, as I think you and I said in a previous broadcast, there's no easy choices left and and some big chess pieces I think are going to start to move soon.
0: Well, I think, Jason, it would be great to have a voice like yours in Congress. And, uh, you know, it looks like it's, by my view, it looks like a pretty purple district. It's a winnable one for Republicans. You, you know, you, you could win this and we could have some, uh, some intelligence inside uh, of, of Congress. It would be a great change. Jason Kilmeyer, counterterrorism expert, foreign policy expert, as well as a U.S. House candidate. Where can people uh, help out your campaign if they want to get
2: involved? Absolutely, Stu. And these are, and you're exactly right. PA-17, these are practical people. Kilmeierforcongress.com. And uh, looking forward to talking to uh, everybody around here. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, dude.
0: All right. You want to get a great snack uh, throughout the day. You don't want to pack on pounds. How do you do it? Uh, You want to stay in shape, I mean, or get into shape or see in the far distance where shape is. You need built Bars in your life. Built Bars have great flavors. Raspberry, coconut, mint brownie, cookies and cream, double chocolate, and so many more. They even have like wild new flavors. They had a lemon dipped cheesecake, a banana creamed pie, pie. You're gonna love these bars. Um, now, they have nine original flavors. You can get them in the mix box. They have 18 grams of protein, like 140 calories, four or five grams of sugar, four or five net carbs. It's, it's you know, they're just healthy for you, but they taste good. It's not like every other protein bar you've ever had in your entire life. Built.com. The promo code is Stu15. You can save 15% off your first order. Give these things a try. It's Stu15, 15% off at Built.com. It's Built.com. Well, wouldn't you know it? The mask mandates are going away. Yeah. Only two years. What? I mean, two years was the exact right time for kids in masks at school. The exact right time. One day shorter, one day longer would have been ridiculous. That's not what the science says. The science says two years. Well, a little bit less than two years. Uh, The mask mandates do do seem to be going away almost everywhere now. I think Hawaii is the only one really left with them. Maybe D.C. Uh, New York City is going to lift the indoor mask mandate on uh, March 7th, it looks like. Uh, given there's no unforeseen spikes in COVID-19 cases, of course, watch out for that. This is one of the things they're trying to do right now is to say, well, we're getting rid of these right now. But at some point we could bring these mandates back. I think the American people are done with this. Uh, Saturday Night Live did a bit this week where they kind of mocked uh, the, the idea that you can't even bring up that masks and vaccines aren't perfect, um, and, you know, the reaction on the right has been uh, very understandable, which is like now you're start now after all of this, you're going to act like uh, it's hilarious uh, that, you know, the, the, it, that this was all crazy the whole time. Uh, that's an understandable reaction, although I want to get these things out of here first. Um, I'm pretty excited about just getting them out uh, of our lives. You're still going to have them on mass transit. You're still going to have them on airplanes for now. Um, I, Uber still seems to be ha- have them on for whatever reason. Uh, but there's. Look, they had to get these things out of here before the State of the Union, so that Joe Biden can triumphantly stand up in front of you and say, "I got rid of those mask mandates. That's me, Mr. Freedom." I'm sure this is not going to be annoying at all—not one little bit. Everything's going to—it's just going to—it's just going to soothe your soul to watch Joe Biden blab on about his success against COVID nineteen. Oh my gosh, this is going to be torture. This is going to be torture. By the way, uh, watch the torture with me. Torture yourself with me Stu, tomorrow night on youtube.com slash stew does america we're going to be doing uh, some special coverage watch the state of the union with me as i throw in my wise ass commentary throughout it it's gonna be a lot of fun it's the only way to actually enjoy the state of the union well i should say you're not going to enjoy it but it'll make it slightly more tolerable it's tomorrow night youtube.com slash stew does america uh live broadcast watching the state of the union with me it's gonna be a lot of fun we'll see you there Ah, men's grooming. Mmm. You want to talk about that? You don't have to talk about it. You just need to do it. If you haven't heard about Manscaped, they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package, and you can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. You get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code stew20 at manscaped.com. The Performance Package has everything you need. You get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver deodorant for the air down there, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, Travel Bag to hold all your goodies, Manscaped. Has revolutionized the field of self-care for men. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's all you know what you don't want a grooming accident. That's not good. Uh, they got the advanced skin-safe technology as well. Uh, waterproof. Uh, it's got the LED spotlight in case you really need to you know be more precise. All right, look, whatever you're doing on your own time, that's fine with me. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code STU20 at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. The code is STU20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. Very important, manscaped.com. The code is STU20. All right, make sure you review the program. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars wherever you are uh, watching or listening Uh, We always appreciate you taking the time to do that. Uh, This review comes in. What a stupid show. Glad I found it. Also, watch on Blaze TV. I love the sarcasm. Like the news and why it matters. Your show is too short. Blaze TV needs to give you more airtime. You know, what you're talking about is I am give them more airtime. That's that's the right way to think about that. Um, YouTube is the place to go, by the way, tomorrow night. Uh, on youtube.com slash america watch the state of the union with me i'll make lots of sarcastic uh, comments you'll like it very much go there youtube.com slash stew america uh, like it subscribe and click the little bell so you're alerted from when everything gets going uh, tomorrow night uh, you can comment during the show as well jimmy writes i know very little about jackson this is the uh, supreme court justice nominee um, but i wonder how many people will not give her as much respect because it looks like she was nominated to check a box if i was truly qualified it would make me angry thinking that every Everyone thought uh, it was given to me because of my race and sex. So, very, very true. Uh, and this one as well, while giving this stupid show five freaking stars hurts others, the pain it causes pales in comparison to the pain Joy Behar is suffering right now. I wonder if she was going to wear blackface on her trip to Italy. Five big old stars for this excellent show. I know. I mean, the the... The lack of a trip to Italy for Joy Behar is almost as disturbing as the lack of the honorary presidency of the International Judo Federation for Vladimir Putin. Think about it. Okay, so here's what happened. You know, the economy can be tough sometimes. You have to take a job that you might not necessarily want so much, you have to do something for work. Well, Do you love your dog? Do you need a job? Maybe you could apply for this particular gig. Now, you might think that dogs don't care what they eat because you've seen what they eat. But there's a company in Great Britain that makes plant based pet food and they have a theory as to how this operates with the doggies, which is it makes their their poop smell better. So you too can get involved if you get this job, $6,685.82 for two months. And all you have to do is continually smell your dog's poop. This is a real gig. Pretty sure you can get it now. And while it doesn't, might not seem appealing today, remember, you've got three more years of Joe Biden's economy. So it may be the best job you can get.